Today is September 27th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Nagana Go Aki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south in the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bogani of the Confederacy. These lands are at Treaty 7, sub signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nation, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, and non across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been very kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mulkinstis, says Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian. I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the hair people, or like the bunnies, the rabbits, um, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down the red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Um, also, giving a review helps whichever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe, and you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So a lot's happened since the last time uh, I had a podcast, which was a week ago. A week ago was the day of the federal election, and we were all on pins and needles waiting, or maybe some of us were a little more than others. Um, and for those who may not know, uh, and to give context, I'm an open liberal. Uh, I've been with the Liberal Party of Canada since 2011. Uh, we had to do the whole rebuilding thing and rebranding thing, and you know we've been part of Team, Tro Team Trudeau since he um started his uh leadership bid and uh you know when we moved forward with new constitutions and kind of rebranded the liberals after justin trudeau um so anyway i um really feel very passionate as a person who's put forward policy voted on policy um guided the pol uh, party the best i could um with a very small limited voice in the bigger picture of a uh you know rich kilometer oh, a, a rich party that has so many political connections and um 
you know, I spoke to them beforehand about, um, you know, talking about Indigenous-led climate change and what we've been doing for the calls to justice. And I, I seen that in, in their messaging. So I, I was actually quite proud of the Liberals. And I know that was probably the opposite of what you've seen on social media with um, other Indigenous content creators. But, um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that it's easy to, you know, um, well, uh, first of all, I'm a big believer that all activism matters. So I think it's important the amount of people that are putting out incredibly great opinions. The one I value um, in the highest regard would be from the Yellowhead Institute, as well as uh, Cindy Blackstock and Pam Palmater on the things that should be uh, done or things that are happening that are wrong. Uh, those are things that I listen to intently and uh, try to reflect back in the party. Uh, some things I have no control over, I have no voice on. And, you know, I, I can honestly say I have no relationship with some of the uh, really prominent MPs. And that's a case of, you know, I'm not, I don't come from upper class. I don't have the connections that other people do. But, uh, you know, when we talk about policy, I have a, a small voice at the table and that's what I try to do. So as a, an Indigenous Liberal, we have the Indigenous Peoples Commission and that guides a lot of our Liberal policy. And unfortunately, we can't get in everything we wish we could um, because even though uh, the relationship between Indigenous and Canadians is the number one priority of this government, you know, that... <laughs> It's it's not undoing 400 years of colonialism, anti-Indigenous sentiment, anti-Indigenous bias, um, point-blank racist, white supremacist education system, and um, it's going to take time. So I know it's not perfect, and but they know they're not perfect, and they're working really hard on it, and if they weren't, I wouldn't be at the table point-blank. So uh, we did get a minority government. Again, not much had changed according to some, and according to others, you know, it was a waste of time. Uh, a lot of people are talking about the waste of money. Um, you know, folks, I, I'm gonna push back on that and I'm gonna tell you a lot of people have, have spoke a lot of smack about the Trudeau government uh, response to um, COVID and the election was really the opportunity for people to say, no, we don't agree with what you did. And obviously not much changed. So I don't think actually people did disagree with how Justin Trudeau handled the COVID-19 uh, pandemic response. And do I wish he'd do more? Yes. Do I think he did an awful job? Not at all. I'm disappointed actually um, with the other party's lack of, you know, meaningful dialogue, meaningful solutions, costed um, criticism. So for example, I kept hearing the drinking water issue. And uh, the drinking water issue does matter because at the time that we made those promises, there were less um, boiled water advisories and, and advisories in general. And they've not only um, gotten more since they were in charge, but they were able to address them. Uh, they were the first ones to develop a plan. Well, first of all, they were the first ones to develop it or to talk about it as an issue because the other parties were not talking about it as an issue. Um, they were not uh, given any information that um, of, of meaningful change. Now, I would argue Dr. Pam Palmater actually uh, spoke about the amount of money that needed to be invested in 2015. Like even me as a liberal, I can I can critique my own government, but 
I, I generally don't because I don't see meaningful criticism. If I did, um, I would welcome it. I think that we would incorporate it and we would move forward. But every election you see the conservatives, they actually don't care about clean drinking water. They don't care about reconciliation. Um, had they been in charge during the pandemic, I think as a country would would be in far worse uh, condition. And then the NDP, again, no costed plan, no um, like real meaningful solutions on some of these issues that we're referring to. And then, uh, and, and honestly, for the hard time that people give the Liberal Party for how Jody Wilson Rainbow was, um, you know, I would say maliciously attacked by our own party and the supporters. And, and to this day, I block Liberal Party MPs, Liberal um, supporters that um, don't recognize their anti-Indigenous bias when talking about her. Um, I block them, but we were also exposed to the racism in the NDP. I think if you really understand anti-racism training, that you've seen the racist remarks against Jagmeet Singh. I think that if you really have anti-racism training, you've seen the anti-Black uh, misogyny that was directed at the at the party leader of the Green Party. So you know, for progressives to talk about this is you know. It, it needs to be done as a country and it's in all parties like the conservatives are far 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 worse so you know it's it's almost impossible to even address it at, in their party and at their level because i just don't know if they have the uh comprehension skills on this issue at all um they're so embedded in white supremacy so you know um a lot of people obviously have done lots of different critiques of the election and uh that was some things that I wanted to focus on as a person who uh, is a staunch liberal supporter and have, has worked really hard at trying to bring issues to the table. I, I was there when the former women's rep put forward the initial inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women. We were the only party that cared about that issue. And I was at the floor in Montreal when it was unanimously voted upon. I took video of it. Ralph Goodale was the chair and he said, this is unanimous. Um, you know, we've come a long way from there, but unfortunately um, that day that that happened was when Loretta, Loretta Saunders was missing and they were just recovering her body. And unfortunately this week we have lost uh, Loretta's sibling who I didn't know had gone with a non-binary name and um yeah and now a uh, child is without both their mother and their auntie so i uh i don't think canadians understand the gravity of missing and murdered indigenous women girls in two-spirit non-binary trans and our people are still dying as a result of it um you know there's not enough cultural supports for indigenous people to deal with the intergenerational trauma and uh we're still there and now we've lost a wonderful activist human being and uh that's where we're at so to me this is very personal it gets very much wrapped up in these elections and I think sometimes people don't understand because they're not part of the colonial system 
that uh, how hard these systems are to be in. And so I applaud the leader of the Green Party that just stepped down today, Anna, Anna May, um, I believe is her name. Um, and, and her last name, Paul, I think. Very, you know, person who probably put up with a lot of racism for this election and now has to step down. And I know Jagmeet Singh has dealt with a lot of it. I um, really have a hard time with people's criticism of him being on TikTok. Uh, one of the candidates that unfortunately didn't win, she was running against an incumbent, um, uh, Nikki Ashton. She had a, a friend of hers, a nephew that was uh, a rapper and was putting out some really fun TikToks. And I thought it was a wonderful way to engage with youth and with indigenous peoples in general. And uh, he received criticism. I was looking in his comments. He received criticism for, you know, aiding a liberal, but it was his auntie and or a respected woman in, in his community that he called auntie. And for that, I am I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful. I, I wish that non-Indigenous understood the lateral violence that we endure for trying to create positive structural change in the best way we can within a colonial construct that doesn't really want us at the table. And, um, you know, some folks are really, really excited for us to be there and some are not. And um, I was really proud of the way a lot of us had to carry ourselves. This was our first election that we, uh, we didn't use the positive politics hashtag and uh, we went out on full attack and I think we had to for survival. Um, you know, it, we don't actually brag that much. And um, I, I've always thought for legalizing weed, well, I'll probably be a party loyalist, uh, let alone, you know, the incredible changes that we've seen to have the Prime Minister putting that the most important relationship is the ones with Indigenous peoples and reconciliation into their mandate minister, minister letters that go out. And um, I'm going to be looking for that in the next um, round when any um, appointments happen in the cabinet. So I'm quite happy. Uh, I think Jagmeet Singh did a great uh, service to us as a country by being at the table uh, in a minority government. I think people really underestimate how much power um, minority governments can have. And I thought he did really great in the pandemic working with Justin. Um, I wasn't as happy about a lot of the talking points I've seen out of their camp, but to be fair, during an election, uh, it kind of becomes the bare knuckle round. And it's hard because even folks that I consider friends and allies, I see saying negative things about all sorts of things that I think are ridiculous. And I would never condemn Jagmeet Singh for his uh, TikTok skills. I think that they're really important. And I think that they uh, bring a demographic of youth to the table that wouldn't normally be there. I think that every party has a lot to learn about how to utilize that as a um, campaign tactic. So. I hope that the parties all adapt and start including TikTok into their marketing strategies, and especially during a pandemic. Um, so uh, when we recorded last week, we knew that the numbers were gonna be coming up in Alberta and they were gonna be bad. And they are. 
hundreds every day. And um, we lost one of our elders at Awutan Healing Lodge. And we have the Sisters in Spirit individual coming up right away. She was a residential school survivor. And a, and a matriarch, matriarch uh, to Treaty 7. So when folks say that COVID-19 is not real, they obviously haven't had any loss. Um, I don't know people in the Indigenous community that don't know somebody that they've lost to COVID-19. Uh, one of the most hurtful things they've seen is a single mom out of Edmonton who um, she was a hairdresser trying hard to make ends meet, did not have the time to go and get uh, uh, vaccines. I never would blame her for that. It's hard enough existing as an Indigenous person, let alone as a mother, let alone as a single mother, let alone as a hairdresser in a pandemic. And uh, she contracted it and died. And uh, one of our top medical doctors who's been a critic of the Kenny government's response to COVID-19, you know, really humanized her in a good way. And unfortunately gave some details about how the kids watched their mother die and were trying to give her water before she had died. And um, folks don't understand how this pandemic is grossly affecting people of color, indigenous people, because we're the ones who still have to work because we're at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. And um, because that oppression dynamic is still not understood, people are still asking for my free labor and uh, asking free labor of many of indigenous people. And unfortunately, a lot of us give it because, like, I mean, I got an email from one of the folks that I had spoken to um, at a panel discussion years ago on, domestic violence and I was the Indigenous rep. I was the person who, you know, was trying to tell people, tell the Muslim community about um, the Indigenous plight. So uh, I was invited to speak and um, it, it was a Muslim organization, ICNA, and one of the sisters, Muslim sisters, wrote to me and, and asked me about September 30th and I, I just wanted to uh, talk about that because I do give the give out a lot of free resources and just maybe if you're new or don't really understand how this is all interconnected i'll just um read to you that um if you are a person that still doesn't know about september 30th i think there's some really important resources for you to know i highly recommend the truth and reconciliation commission reports calls to action uh there's 94 of them and they're fundamentally important because Orange Shirt Day is to represent um, the survivors and those that didn't come home from Indian residential schools. All of this came out of the TRC report. Call to Action 80 is, you know, demanding the government recognize this Memorial Day, and and they did. And I'm I'm very proud of that as an Indigenous liberal working with a, a prime minister that understands reconciliation. Um, I thought this was really important. Now, I understand the criticisms from folks who are saying that uh, it should have been mandated and it should be national and provinces shouldn't have a choice. 
and I couldn't agree more, but I'm going to use this moment to point out if you really look, that's mainly conservative governments that are still refusing to pay attention to this issue uh, in denial of the gravity of what Indian residential schools are. And I'm very sad that um, people still vote conservative knowing they don't have any plan for the missing and murdered Indigenous women, uh, 231 calls to justice. They have no plan for the 94 calls to action, and they have no um, costed plan for uh, clean drinking water. They legitimately don't want Indigenous people to live. And um, the policies, especially here in Alberta, we have the Kenny government uh, refuses to acknowledge these issues. You know, this is where we're at as a society. So, of course, it's, it's over um it, it's over representation of deaths with people of color with indigenous people despite the wonderful work of our indigenous uh doctors like dr james mccocus and uh you know dr esther tailfeathers advocating for indigenous people to get the vaccine first so that we had a better um opportunity to fight this pandemic uh, we still are grossly overrepresented as uh you know, folks dying in this pandemic. And we aren't even talking about the long-term health impacts that contracting COVID-19 and then surviving it is going to have on our population. So I um, I really implore people to, you know, understand what September 30th is about. Calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report are free. Uh, the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People that is uh, the foundation to truth and reconciliation. That is also free and available in many different languages. Um, also the um, orangeshirtaid.org actually talks about the history of uh, Phyllis who wore an orange shirt to Indian residential school and it was taken away. And I highly recommend, there's nothing else you get from this. You just go on her website and play her videos and educate other people and talk about that. Um, the government actually has a whole uh, teaching about why they did this holiday. Um, there's a few different links that they have as well. And, you know, after September 30th, I highly recommend the October 4th vigils that happen nationally. So you can go to your local friendship center or Indigenous group and also go to the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women girls in two-spirit and have a look at their report and the 231 calls to justice. Um, here in Calgary, the uh, English family is going to be uh, walking from the Benny up to Calgary starting October 2nd. There's a, a group from Edmonton that are begin or from Red Deer that are coming south. And um, October 4th is our Sisters in Spirit Vigil in downtown Calgary. And we'll be marching from uh, where those uh, uh, metal trees are on Stephen Avenue to City Hall and, and um, I guess Olympic Plaza. We have the permits, we are booked for that. Um, we strongly recommend COVID protocols. So, you know, wear your mask, uh, sanitize your hands, wash your hands, social distance as we march together and um, mourn our missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, Two-Spirit, and of course the missing children that have been highlighted in the media over the last year. A lot of folks are Indian residential school survivors. Please remember that the last one closed in 1997. And I mean, I graduated high school in 1994. 
in a non-Indigenous school. So to give context to how many survivors there still are out there, let alone the older ones that are still dealing with those horrors and traumas. So I've talked a bit about the uh, federal election, talked a bit about uh, on shirt day, talked a little bit about October 4th. Um, but I, I definitely want to acknowledge the amount, the, the hell that we are in in Alberta right now. Um, our, all of our, I hate Kenny so much. And I don't like saying that of our premier. I think he should always be showing respect to elected officials, but I have zero respect for this man, Op the opposite. I have nothing but contempt for his handling of this pandemic. And it was a really awful shitty move on his part to wait until after the federal election to um, ask for federal help and intervention. So the military is now coming to Alberta with the doctors and nurses because our ICUs are over capacity right now. And uh, they're in a triage system, which means that um, they just get to determine who dies and who doesn't on the spot. Um, that's where we're at as a community. And we had uh, some of our doctors say the only reason why we haven't had more numbers is because the people who were unvaccinated who had COVID-19 are dying in the ICU. And as soon as they die, they get to clean up the machine in the bed and, and uh, put someone new there. And so we are going through absolute hell. It's unprecedented, the amount of uh, people we have in our ICUs. And uh, every like surgery has been canceled. If you have, uh, you know, if you're on, if you are, are dying, you're gonna die in Alberta thanks to the leadership and decision-making of uh, former uh, federal conservative Jason Kenney, who is now our premier under the United Conservative Party. Uh, apparently, there's rumblings that they want a leadership review in the spring, but I don't care. Uh, all of them are complicit. All of the voters for uh, conservatives are complicit. And then we just had a federal election uh, to also talk about, to prove um, so many things. I, I'm, I'm actually angry and frustrated in Alberta in so many ways because Alberta has taken so many benefits from the COVID-19 response and yet didn't bother electing a liberal. And uh, that really pisses me off. My own family was one that actually benefited from uh, the liberal COVID, uh, liberal and drug meat things um, you know, additions to the COVID-19 response. If it wasn't for them, I don't know if I would even be able to talk to you and tell you about this right now. Because, um, you know, we are not in a financial good shape at all. And, uh, but it would be worsened if it wasn't for the COVID-19 relief programs that were available for our family. Uh, let me remind you, oil and gas does not love you back. My husband was one of the first people uh, laid off which was ironic because supply chain and procurement designations that he has um, is what brought us to uh, the company that laid him off. They had hunted him because the his type of position helps give transparency for the stock market. And uh, so we thought his role out of all people would be safe, but we were mistaken. And uh, we've had a tough 18 months. But as you know, the podcast has continued and um, now I'm a homeschool mom, so I took my daughter to uh, to Scrutineer with me. That was the um, request that we were given from the party. We were actually told not to door knock uh, because of the ridiculous 
issues that we're facing here in Alberta with COVID-19. Uh, so even though I'm double vaxxed, you know, it's, um, it's just not worth having events, being out there and doing these things that can possibly bring more harm. Um, so we, we were scrutineers and Elections Canada was, they were set up really um, well to have social distancing for all people. Um, so we weren't in a lot of contact, we were in a, a big gym and uh, my daughter who's 14 um, came to sit with me and we went over a lot of the behind the scenes things that happen during an election and uh, really got to educate her about our our um, colonial de democracy. I say that because the majority of people still don't vote, um, which is disappointing. <laughs> but um, that said, there were barriers um, for First Nations to be able to vote because of the COVID-19 restrictions and polling stations being in places that couldn't accommodate the COVID-19 restrictions. So therefore there was no poll stations and they didn't um, contact the First Nations in time. And during the global pandemic, we, there wasn't always the resources available. And that said, the Mohawk, I love how strong they are. They were like, we don't want your colonial um, poles on our land anyway. And they just kicked the Lord's right out. So, you know, Mohawks, they're tough, man. And I'm, I, I thank them because they, they also inspire inspire other nations and, and the youth and I am honored to hear them speak that way. Of course I want to see Indigenous representation in our um, political system but not at the expense of treaties that they've already broken and I have deepest respect for the Mohawk Nation deciding that Elections Canada can't even be in their nation's boundaries because I mean all of Canada is on Indigenous stolen land so um, Speaking of which, I want to address Lamb Back. Um, had a conversation with a fellow that uh, didn't understand the issue of Lamb Back, and um, which says to me that he doesn't understand the concept of broken treaties and what the treaties are. So um, it's really important that if you have questions about Lamb Back, that you research it, that you learn about it, uh, rather than giving ignorant opinions about it. And um, the bottom line is, is that I think it's 80% of Canada is considered crown land. And um, it's not held like even for private buying, it's really held for corporations to exploit the resources as long as they get the right uh, permit requests through the provincial or territorial means. And um, I think folks don't understand like that is literally stolen land. So, um, you know, Cree, Dene, um, Métis who have trap lines, like that's just stolen land. And there is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be uh, given a minimum 50% of our land back, let alone um, just sharing it. Uh, and, and again, you don't understand treaties. You know, the Blackfoot and Cree used to have a yearly and, and an anniversary of getting together yearly and talking about um, disputes that happened over the course of the year. And they would meet in Wetasco in a place where peace, the hills where peace is made. That's literally the translation of Wetaskiwin. And, um, you know, again, I have a land acknowledgement teaching if you're in Alberta, this is really critical knowledge that you understand the importance of land acknowledgements, the, the theft of the land, 
who owns the land, who should own the land. These are really important conversations for us to be having. Um, so, and I also wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the vaccine passports and, and some of the other issues happening here in Alberta. Um, so anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers are protesting for so-called freedoms, but of course they've never been there for any other health freedoms. I remember way back in 2010 when the original C-36 came out on the so-called, you know, Safe Communities Act. And it really did outlaw a lot of the nat natural health products that were available. Uh, a lot of my liberal friends would disagree with me, but, um, you know, unregulated uh, natural health products were helpful to me as a mother when I was having my baby. And uh, what that bill did was, you know, demand that it have certain regulations, certain like uh, bar numbers and shit on it. And um, to me at that time, it was an infringement on my health uh, freedoms. And at that time, uh, it was Sean Buckley that was really leading that. He has a nonprofit organization. And, uh, you know, I, I fell out of touch with them and their fight because obviously I had experienced racism giving birth to my daughter. And, uh, you know, that a lot of these white nonprofits will never acknowledge the racism. And so I can't really align myself with a lot of values of these uh, white nonprofits anymore. Um, not disagreeing with Sean Buckley in any capacity. I just haven't been able to really pay attention for 10 years now of um, things going on. But I guess back to health freedoms, like again, you know, the cannabis community was fighting for health freedoms and all of these yahoos weren't fighting for that then. They also weren't fighting for midwifery, which I did. Um, they weren't fighting for abortion, abortion rights. You know, these, these are real health freedoms. Being asked to wear a mask or get a vaccine during a pandemic, a global pandemic that has millions of people dead. It's so selfish. I, I mean, even then when I was in that world, I understood personal responsibilities. I'll give an example. My daughter had uh, chickenpox and we, we purposely exposed her. So it would be called a so-called chickenpox party. Uh, but we had oodles of data on how to combat um, chickenpox if contracted. And it wasn't deadly, deadly. Um, so these were things that uh, all of the mothers, all the parents that were at this party knew, you know, how to um, address this. And we also knew the incubation time from the time of the party to the time of uh, incubation. And I kept my daughter home, even much to the chagrin of at the time of school was saying, well, you know, it's day 12, she hasn't shown any symptoms. And I said, no, no, it, it's this amount of time before she shows the symptoms. Sure enough, on the last day is when she ended up giving the shocks. And, um, you know, I, I was really proud that we were responsible enough to keep her home and not expose her. And yet these yahoos don't understand that. Like you don't want to get vaccinated. There's a responsibility with that, a responsibility to not go to restaurants and NHL games and all sorts of things that uh, people have determined is okay for you to go to stampede but people are anyway and you know i'm fully vaccinated i have my two shots i still wear a mask everywhere i go because i know the way we transmit it is through droplets and even if i'm asymptomatic i can still be a carrier so i wear a mask and this 
isn't something that's going to be forever like the conspiracies tell you. This is something that's just going to happen for this pandemic. Once we have things under control, of course we can take off our masks, but we are the opposite there. Um, for those who may not know, Alberta decided to just stop contact tracing July 1st. And of course we are in the worst part of this pandemic that we've experienced ever. As a result, we've opened up the schools and decided that the privacy of the students matter more than contact tracing. So now we have a whole demographic that are can be asymptomatic carriers um, or symptomatic carriers. Lots of people send their kids to school with a snotty nose, always have and always will. And that's what's happening in Alberta. Worse, um, a group out in Edson decided to have a COVID party. And we found out because they were in the Edmonton ICU beds. They were all at this COVID-19 party. And so Albertans have the idea that we can reach natural herd immunity thanks to the premier's leadership. And as a result, we are dying and we are dying incredibly. And I, I am so angry, disappointed. I have nothing but contempt for the premier. And I can't believe how people who think they know about freedoms don't. They, they not only don't know, but they are misusing their, you know, freedom to kill others at this point. And honestly, it's a really important lesson for those who deny Indigenous people, um, you know, our truth about how smallpox was spread on purpose. This is the equivalent. I'm sure at that time you had yahoos who thought they were just given herd immunity, knowing damn well it was disproportionately killing Indigenous people. So, um, you know, never downplay how a pandemic affects Indigenous communities and the barriers that we have. We don't even have clean drinking water. How can we wash our hands and, you know, take care of ourselves? It's the most ridiculous thing. I think Canadians are under such a false illusion of, you know, equality in, and oppression in this, <clears throat> in this construct. So anyway, I wanted to address those things, um, encourage folks to come out to the September 30th events that will be happening, or at least uh, when I, when I say that, because we are in the middle of a pandemic, there are so many Zooms that are available nationally, let alone locally, wherever you're listening from. So I strongly encourage you to be a part of those discussions and those conversations and um, and help be a part of the solution. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that means you still haven't read the 94 calls to action, still don't know about Phyllis's story about the orange shirt. Um, it's critical that you do these things and that you don't expect Indigenous people to do your work for you. Um, you know, moving forward, the municipal election is now next on my radar. So um, the Reconciliation Action Group that uh, we founded um, from the renaming Langevin School, we put together a bunch of questions for the school trustees as well as uh, the municipal candidates in Calgary. And uh, we're just collecting that, that information and we'll put it out there publicly. And uh, as a homeschool mom, we're gonna do the same thing for all the Lethbridge school trustee and uh, you know, city count, uh, councillor candidates and see what their responses are. 
unfortunately the time is coming up so quickly for the advanced vote and I feel a little woefully underprepared because as soon as I'm done this, I have to go to bed and run tomorrow for an early morning meeting at 10 uh, with some federal group and then um, meet with my floors and such. And yeah, it's just go, go, go. And uh, yeah, that's what's been going on in my world. And I hope you really question your municipal candidates, your uh, school trustee candidates and whether or not they even agree Indigenous genocide happened in Canada, because that has become a number one issue, I think, for us uh, to have meaningful reconciliation. Because if you have folks who can't admit the truth, then you sure as hell can't have reconciliation. So please learn about land back. Please learn about, um, you know, Indigenous genocide in general, uh, the pandemic response. <laughs> this was another fun thing that happened in Alberta. So, Jason Kenney hates liberals and he hates them so much. He can't even call, um, you know, a, a record of your vaccines, a vaccine passport like the rest of the country is because he hates Trudeau so much he can't even govern. So he put out some ridiculous name for a vaccine passport that I won't even repeat. I won't bother remembering because it's stupid and ridiculous. Um, AHS is our Alberta Health Services. They uh, put out this website that you can fill out your vaccine information. And it was so basic. It was like, you know, you put in your healthcare number, your name, and um, when you got your vaccine month. So I did, got my daughters, my husband's and mine all sort, sorted out and then uh, printed them off on my black and white printer that doesn't even have like that fine printing on it. And then use packing tape to kind of laminate it and it looked like some stupid kindergarten, uh, you know, craft that we did. But I'm really glad we did it because then on Saturday when we were in Calgary uh, cleaning the house and that um, we found, we went to certain establishments and they didn't give a flying fuck whether or not you had your vaccine shots and they certainly didn't demand a passport. But then when we went to Denny's, um, they not only wanted our vaccine passport, but they also wanted our ID. So, and they were really serious about it. And of course we were accommodating because I think that you, if you're not from an Alberta, you don't know, but Albertans who think they're freedom fighters are literally attacking these establishments and um, attacking the waiters, waiters, waitresses and such, and saying that they have the right to come into people's private uh, businesses and uh, do whatever the hell they want and spread COVID. And when they actually get a no, they don't even know what to do with themselves. So, um, you know, unfortunately they've been getting this. So I, I was quick to thank the Denny staff for being so diligent on that issue. And I, I encourage other companies to be diligent on this. And um, yeah, I don't know what next week is gonna look like with the uh, rising numbers, but I can tell you, I seen uh, uh, March, thousand people March. Um, of people without masks on it, like legitimately as a COVID party every time that they have these stupid rallies. And, um, you know, our, our numbers are just going to go up and up because our premier refuses to show any leadership. He's accommodating anti-vaxxers. There's no nice way to say it. And uh, him and his caucus are listening to these, I don't know, Russian conspiracy theorists 
that believe that they're somehow losing their freedoms. And the irony is they'd be the first ones against communism and yet they promote fascism in their own ways. And um, who suffers? The most marginalized. So that's how come I know the conservatives only care, and care about killing indigenous people because that's what they do. That's what they've done best and that's what they'll continue to do. Um, other thing that came up this week was uh, the bishops, Catholic bishops came out and put out an apology. And um, I'm just going to encourage uh, non-Indigenous to yeah. sit down and shut up about it. You have no right to give in your stupid fucking hot takes on these. Even I, as someone who didn't attend Indian residential school, I just amplify the voices of survivors. I don't give my hot take because it's not mine to give because I didn't have to go through it. Same thing with clean drinking water. All these things I've seen through the federal election. Honestly, I can't stand half of the folks that think that they're so-called progressive because they think they have the right to talk about these issues instead of amplifying Indigenous voices on it. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be mine. It can be anybody's. But I'll never, never forget nor forgive one of the uh, Ward 9 staffers who put out a shitty tweet that said on Canada Day, well, if you can't uh, enjoy Canada Day, I don't know what's wrong with you. Totally belittling the, you know, issue of missing children and unmarked graves. And uh, it is what it is. These are people who think they're progressive. And, um, you know, challenge your candidates, your school trustee candidates, your municipal candidates, your mayoral candidates on where they fit on their so-called understanding of Indigenous issues and vote accordingly. Because if you vote for conservatives, if you vote for Holo or for ind indigenous like um, deniers, you're voting for this world to be unsafe for me and my daughter. And I can't make it clearer than that. So that was something really interesting that um, came up. Uh, anyway, back to the vaccine passport in Alberta. Um, it turned out this PDF was ed like you could edit it. And uh, so like simple software solutions were being tweeted out to the Alberta government to fix it. And uh, the Alberta government was like, oh, you know, I think it was AHS that put out a tweet that said, oh, well, you know, it's, we can't fraudulently put out these things. And I'm like, oh my God. And then worst of all, yesterday, there was this young um, software fellow who realized that um, the app that was being promoted for the NHL games, because in Alberta, we gave that the green light, despite our ICU beds being in the state they're in. They gave the green light and uh, the passport app that they were encouraging folks to use, it, it wasn't anything that it claimed to be. It wasn't safe and it, it, it was ridiculous. And anyway, this young software engineer exposed it. And um, the Sun and the Herald wrote a column and this young guy actually called them out and said that was really one-sided. They didn't ask him for his opinion, but they were willing to print about it. So there's, there's absolutely nothing going on in Alberta in regards to COVID-19 that's positive or in the right direction at all. Our premier's playing petty politics with the lives of Albertans. And you know what, as, as awful as that is, it doesn't matter because the average Albertan will still vote blue. And um, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks federally and provincially because, you know, I, you can try as hard as you can to engage with regular people 
but they are so committed to um, conservatism that they're willing to let people die. And so I hope it's a learning lesson for all of us of why it is, you know, Indian residential schools happened, the Holocaust happened, uh, this pandemic response, the um, an opioid crisis that we're facing that's still not being properly addressed. But you'll see that in Alberta here, both the uh, AHS and the Conservative will talk about, uh, you know, children's mental health, but they've never cared about it before. And they've certainly uh, cut all funding towards anything that has helped children's mental health, whether they were in the school system beforehand or, or after. They've, there's just not support systems for um, learning in the school systems. There's not support systems for uh, mental health for children and certainly not for their parents that are, are struggling and dealing with addiction issues and definitely not culturally appropriate um, addiction services for Indigenous peoples. So um, if you get a chance, I strongly encourage Googling the White Bison Society. Uh, Heather Morgeau, I know, is running a program for Wellbriety, and that's at least somewhat culturally appropriate, but my God, until AHS understands the gravity, the need for this, and there's you know, government that funds it properly and voting base that understands the gravity of this issue. There's not going to be any change. So anyway, I'm going to close out because I could go on and on. And I think I have. And I will give the same solutions I do in every podcast. I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural training, uh, cultural first aid in almost all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. So Google cultural safety training, Google cultural first aid. And I want to say thank you to Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fridkin of heretohelp.bc.ca for putting out what is Indigenous cultural safety and why it matters um, as, a, as a piece to talk about these things. Their work and those cultural action tools, I've said over 100 times in my podcast, so please support Indigenous work. Uh, like that as part of your reconciliation work and understandings as a settler. I'm just lucky enough to repeat them and highlight them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence that Indigenous people face. Um, and you've seen that all during the federal election on Twitter. What is internalized racism by Donna Bevins is a PDF that's available. Again, highly recommend just Googling lateral violence or internalized racism to understand this issue more if you don't know what I'm talking about if you're an Indigenous person. Uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So uh, if you've seen a Muslim getting harassed on the sea train, this is the type of thing that you would look for. Again, Google cultural safety training. You'll find these resources. If you see or experience racism, you can also report it at um, acttoendracism.ca or text at 587-507-3838. Uh, that was a coalition of an Asian community-based program. So really uh, happy that they did that work. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. They don't recognize the marginalized with their budget with gender equity plus if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services indigenous education uterus health choices gay straight alliances lack of human rights for migrants immigrants folks with disabilities 
Know that your vote to that party or person directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention programs, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. They don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism. They have zero business running. Should be understood by all local politicians, community organizations, parties, uh, sports clubs, community associations, and more. Really great article I said out loud was Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. I can't emphasize enough that just Googling how to be uh, an ally to Indigenous people warrants many different articles that come up. There really is no excuse anymore. But for Indigenous people, if you are experiencing emotional distress after anything I said, and you need to talk, the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline is at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free, 24 hours a day. If you go onto their website, they actually have a text option if, you're, if you would prefer that. Um, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Um, if you're non-Indigenous, you usually have a functioning 211 in your area, or you can also call in Canada, 833-456-4566. There's also a 60-scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta at ssisa.ca. You can look under the hashtag survivor driven. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the Trevor Project. They have lots of resources for LGBTQ2 plus youth. Um, you know, they have a peer support line, they have a trans lifeline. So um, I highly recommend lifevoice.ca, crisis supports, LGBTQ crisis supports. I hope one day I can encourage that community always include the two for reconciliation, but until then, I try to, but unfortunately, the website address does not for now. Um, anyway, uh, you can also call the Kids Help phone at 1-800-668-6868 if you're a youth. Um, I use that as a resource, so I encourage you to as well. Violence is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. Every generation has faced it. That's why I started a podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, sure want to tell us theirs, even if they know nothing about colonialism, Indigenous peoples, our constant surveillance of our protests, our vigils, our rights, microaggressions, people dealing with internalized uh, racism who become gatekeepers that survive off the status quo, or people who are just in their trauma and stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. But I do want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, um, my mom, what strength looks like through her example, my aunts, my uncles, um, my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me um, what a strong culture is with her Austrian family and roots and teaching me to be a proud gal 
proud Calgarian. It is through her, I'm a second generation. Uh, that said, if you call yourself a native Calgarian, I'll laugh at you if you're non-Indigenous. <laughs> I hope when I say that, it, you understand how racist it sounds um, to identify as native when you are not native. I wanna say thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing this show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child. He's been my support down my journey of the Red Road and has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, we are blessed to learn from daily. I'm honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they will understand um, down the road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching, you can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I want to end with side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, are you a D in my dish? <laughs> Hope you enjoyed listening. Also big plug out to the reservation, uh, the reservation dogs. Funny, funny show, and I'm only into episode four. So I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed my my show. I hope you enjoyed that show, and uh, congratulations to uh, Pauline, Alexis, and the entire crew of Reservation Dogs for their uh, great work and the um, any nominations that they received. It was wonderful to see you on the red carpet and giving us this representation and the memes have been absolutely wonderful. Hope you're all enjoying them if you see me on social media. Anyway, thanks again, everyone. Take care. Be safe. Uh, right now in Alberta, if I got in a car accident, I don't know what would happen. And I hear helicopters, even in Lethbridge, which I don't normally do. So be safe. Thank you for listening. <laughs>